This is the Retirement Detective Podcast, where we dive into cases with Philip Mock, chartered financial analyst and certified financial planner professional, to solve common retirement and financial planning questions. Get insight into how to solve quandaries that appear on the path to and through retirement, ideas on how to approach savings and investing for retirement, and how to plan for retirement in a tax-efficient manner. Now, here's your host and lead retirement detective, Philip Mock. Hello, everyone. It's Philip Mock with the Retirement Detective Podcast. Welcome to today's episode. Today, we will continue our multi-part series on alternative investments by talking about investing in private equity. Private equity is a way to invest in smaller, non-public companies uh, through various types of vehicles, and we'll discuss that today. Private equity is a definitely historically fit into the category of being higher risk um, and at times higher reward. So it's not a strategy to be taken lightly and we'll talk about why that is. And that will be today's episode. Private equity is basically a structure where an investor can invest in a company that might be smaller or earlier in stage, though not necessarily. Older, mature companies can certainly take on private equity in their later years, but it's an opportunity to get an ownership interest in a non-public company. Usually when you buy stock, you're buying stock in the open public markets with a publicly traded security. You go and trade it, you buy it from a willing seller. Later, if you decide to sell it, you sell it to a willing buyer in the open market at a broker negotiated cost. You may not see all these things behind the scenes, but that's what's happening somewhere deep in the computer networks on Wall Street. Private equity is very, very different. Also, private equity is definitely much more risky than investing in public markets. So I, I want to say a caveat up front that private equity is something that you should consider in concert with your advisor, with your attorney, and with your CPA. And I'm not necessarily recommending private equity to anyone today because it is so much more risky. Also, you typically have to have a higher level of net, net worth or income to even qualify under the current guidelines to be able to invest in private equity. The rules require you have a certain level of sophistication to be able to participate in private equity. Nonetheless, it's a popular form of investing for the people that qualify. I certainly get a lot of questions about it. So today I'd like to just talk to you about the background of what is private equity and what are some of the pros and cons, the risks and rewards. But since it is so much more risky than investing in the public markets, I felt like it was appropriate to give you an important warning on the front end that for many of you listening to this, it's probably not an appropriate investment. And if you think that it might be, that's something that you should discuss with your advisor, your attorney, and your CPA. Private equity is basically a ownership structure where there is you, the investor, 
there is a private equity company that creates a fund, and then there's what they call the portfolio company, which is the company that you're investing in. Starting kind of backwards, a portfolio company, like a smaller company that's maybe newer, for instance, decides that they need extra money and they don't want to borrow. So they go to the markets and say, we are interested in taking on an equity investment. And what that effectively means is saying, we need cash for either research, development, to maybe hire more people to do something with. We need cash and we're willing to give up an ownership stake in our company in order to get that cash. So that company would go through a valuation process to determine what the company is worth, and then they decide how much equity they're willing to part with. Typically it's the original owners or, or, maybe, or maybe another private equity firm that had previously taken an ownership stake that's effectively saying, we wanna divide our pie dilute our ownership in an effort to give some ownership stake out so that we can have an influx of cash. You're basically selling, they're basically selling part of the company. So one of the people that they could sell that to is a private equity company. A private equity company generates their business through identifying different companies to make these equity investments in. So they, scour the markets, looking at different companies, looking at different opportunities. And when they find a really good one, they're the company that the portfolio company would, would ink that deal with. So the original company, the portfolio company says, we need money. We want to go to the markets and get money. The private equity company says, Hey, we'll match you with money in exchange for that equity ownership. Well, where does the private equity company get their money from? They get it from investors. So investors aren't typically well suited to go out and beat the streets and find these unique small companies to invest in. So they turn to an expert like a private equity firm to say, Hey, I'm interested in investing in, in these companies, but I don't really know what I'm doing. Will you do it for me? And that's what they do. So a private equity firm, you can think of it one way is there a almost like a matchmaker. They match investors that have capital that they're ready to deploy and invest with companies that need that capital for their operations, for expansion, for capital expenditures, etc. So what the private equity firm will do is they create different funds. So it's basically like a, a portfolio of different investments, which is why we call the companies they invest in portfolio companies. So let's just make one up here. We're going to make an example and we're going to call it the private equity, um, innovative fund a. And so innovative fund a is looking for innovative technology companies to invest in. And they decide they want to make 20 investments. So inside this fund, there's going to be 20 companies. So they go out and search the market and they locate 20 companies that need funding and want to give up part of their ownership in exchange for that money. So the innovative fund a goes out and says, we will make a deal with you 20 companies in exchange for various levels of ownership and all of that gets worked out. Then the private equity 
company will then turn around to its investors and say, hey, investors, we have a new, com- a new fund coming out. It's Innovative Fund A. And we've identified 20 companies that we think would be excellent candidates for investment. And then they would tell their investors all about those companies. And in return, investors would make varying levels of commitment to them for how much money they're willing to spend. And the goal of the private equity company would be to have a nice matchup of investors that are willing to invest money and portfolio companies that need money and have those two amounts be pretty close to the same. Also, typically the private equity firm owners will also invest in these companies. So effectively, the private equity firm is an intermediary. The private equity investors invest in the fund, and in exchange, they get an ownership share in the fund, which is indirectly an ownership share in the portfolio company. Then the private equity firm makes an investment in the portfolio company, and in exchange, they become a part owner of that company. And in some cases, it can be a level of ownership to where the private equity company might actually end up with some management roles or seat on a board of directors where they own enough of the company to where they're actually getting a say in some of the operational aspects of that company. Via the intermediary of the private equity firm, a regular investor is able to invest in a a variety of small, non-public, privately owned companies in a manner that is diversified and they're also relying on the expertise of the private equity firm to make those investments. So that's how it works in a nutshell. Now, private equity is tricky because it has some very unique characteristics. The first and most important thing to consider when you're investing in private equity is that it is not liquid at all. The typical lifespan of a private equity fund that makes these investments is anywhere from five to 10 years. And, and five is pretty quick. I would say more often it's six, seven, eight to 10 years or, or even longer. The timeline's really tricky and it lasts a long time because it sort of goes through a life cycle. It starts with the firm getting commitments from their investors and then it matches those commitments with the portfolio companies that they want to invest in. Now, in reality, that can take quite some time. The private equity fund may start with the investors and then have to go find the companies, or it may already have companies and then they have to find investors. But in either case, it often can take months or even over a year for the fund to get fully put together. Once it's put together, they don't necessarily invest in all of these companies all at once. It's often spread out as they do a bunch of due diligence on the different companies And often that's a really important part of the fund process because they may find a company that they think looks really compelling. And then when they start peeling back the layers of the onion, they discover that maybe it's not a company they want to invest in after all. So this due diligence process is time consuming, but also really important. So what happens is the investors are not asked to write a check on day one. They're asked to make a commitment and they, sign sort of like a contract that says we agree to eventually invest up to this amount in the companies that you feel are best for this fund. As they identify companies to invest in, they then turn back around to their 
clients, the investors, and say, hey, you made a commitment of a million dollars, for example, we are now asking you to give us 200,000 of that million. And so that's called a capital call. That's where they go to their investors and say, we're ready to invest in a portfolio company. We need the money now. And then you do that. And then maybe a few months later, they identify another one and say, investors, you've invested $200,000 of your $1 million commitment. And now we're asking for a capital call of 75,000 and so on. And they keep doing this until the commitment is fully exhausted and you've paid in all that you were expected to pay in. Sometimes this commitment period and capital call period can actually last several years. Then once the money goes in, it usually takes the companies a considerable amount of time to reinvest that money and redeploy it based on what their plans were. So maybe they decide that they want to buy equipment or they're going to expand their personnel or expand their operations. Those things don't happen overnight and the expected future benefits of those actions certainly don't turn around overnight either. So after several years of the fund sourcing investments and and getting these capital infusions from investors to turn around and invest in these companies, the companies then have to take that capital and actually be effective with it. And that takes time. So when you add all this up, that's why it actually typically takes seven, eight, nine, ten 10 plus years for a fund to have its full life cycle. And the end of the life cycle is after hopefully the portfolio company has taken this capital and used it to expand and multiply their business operations the private equity firm will then turn around and sell their interest and the goal would be that they sold it for much more than what they originally invested then they turn around and pay the investors for their share back so if to make the numbers very simple if the fund had 10 owners and you each had a 10% share and all of your companies that you invested in grew three X, they grew three times, then all of the, then the fund would have grown three times in value. And then you would get your one tenth part of that P of that three X pie. So your share also went up three times. That's the goal. Now, in reality, some of the portfolio companies won't do quite as well. Some will do exceptionally well. Now you are investing in small companies, so that's why there's quite a bit of risk here that some of these companies may not actually do very well. And if one actually were to go bankrupt or something like that, that puts significant pressure on the other portfolio companies to do really well to offset that. But one of the greatest risks with private equity is in that timeline. If you invest in private equity, you really need to be committed to giving up your funds that you invest for eight plus years in my opinion. Sometimes it's longer and it can be longer because of the market cycle too. If the ending years of the fund, you know, years six, seven, eight, nine, ten, turn out to be a recession, the private equity firm is not going to want to sell their interests at depressed values during a recession. So they'll probably wait. So that might be a case where the private equity funds life cycle might be 11, 12, 13, 14 years. It's a really long commitment. And that's why it's not appropriate for many investors because it's a very small percentage of people that can invest large sums of money 
and not have access to it or need access to it for that long. And that's why you have to be really careful and talk to your team of advisors about doing this. The other reason it's really important to talk to your team is that it's very complicated from a fee perspective. As we've talked in prior episodes, mutual funds, ETFs, even investment advisors all have fees. One of the common fees among all of them is the management fee. This is what you're paying the management for the fund. Private equity is no different, but there's also a second layer of fees. With private equity, there's a management fee, and it's typically higher than what you see in the mutual fund world. And you're also paying on committed funds usually. So you're not you're paying the management fee on not just what you've invested, but what you've promised to invest, which is unique. Sometimes the funds that percentage will decline over time. Sometimes it stays the same. A good rule of thumb average is it's about 2% per year. In addition, there's often an incentive fee, which is called the carried interest. And it's basically a percentage of profits that are paid to the manager. You do not see this in the mutual fund world and typically do not see it in the investment advisory world. So in the private equity world, they're incented to do a really good job and to make lots of money for the fund by not just doing a good job with the fund and earning their management fee, but they're also their fee that they take is extremely variable because they're also paid based on a percentage of the profits. So if um, the fund does extremely well, that percentage is much higher. And if the fund does just so-so, then that percentage is just so-so. To protect investors, most funds have something called a hurdle rate or which it's effectively like a minimum required return. So usually the fund can't take that profit percentage until they've paid out that hurdle rate. So it's not like they can take profits from that percentage from day one. They usually have to make sure the investors have made their hurdle rate and then they can take that percentage. That percentage can vary quite a bit, but it's usually around 20%. So a rule of thumb for Wall Street is most private equity is we say it's two and 20 fee structure, 2% management fee and 20% carried interest or profit sharing. Therefore, compared to a lot of other vehicles, private equity is a pretty expensive endeavor from a fee perspective, but it can also be quite rewarding if the portfolio companies do exceptionally well. But, but that is a great risk as your money is set out for a long time and the fees you're committing to pay the fund manager are quite high. On the positive side, if compared to like if you were wanting to go out and buy companies yourself, you can have great diversification through a private equity fund more so than you would have um, if you tried to do this on your own. You could go out and do it on your own, but you'd have to have a much greater base of capital to do so. So Diversification is another benefit. You also get the benefit of the management team, which hopefully has um, good expertise. You do have some degree of transparency. They'll usually send some reports that show the status of investments and the, um, the portfolio companies and how they're doing. But this is not a public market investment in any way, shape, or form. One of the benefits of investing in the public markets is you get these reports 
through their filings with the government and regulatory authorities that give you an enormous amount of detail about their financials and what their business operations are. With private equity, you don't have any of that. So you are really limited to what the manager is willing to tell you and wants to tell you. Usually they give you some sort of statement and valuation, but keep in mind, as we've talked about in other episodes, when your valuation is based on an estimate, that carries risks in itself. And for these private companies that a a fund invests in, they don't really know the value until they go take it to market and try to sell it. So the statements that investors get are usually an estimate of that value. Now, why would anybody do this? I feel like I've made it sound really expensive, really complicated, and it is really expensive and really complicated, but at times, historically, private equity has done well compared to the public markets. Not not always, and not all private equity is created equal. Just like there are some mutual funds that do really well historically and others really have not compared to their benchmarks, private equity is no different. It's extremely risky. Your money's tied up for a very long time and you have no guarantee that the returns will be anything or any better than what you could have bought with a plain low-cost index fund. So is it appropriate for most people? Probably not. Are there a few people out there that might be interested? Probably so. I can't tell you if it's right for you or not, but private equity is a very interesting and popular investment vehicle because it sounds cool and exciting. Uh, But in reality, there's a lot of potholes there that you could really get jammed up in. The fees and liquidity are just so different from other vehicles. The only thing that might compare is a hedge fund, which we will probably talk about in a future episode. But at the end of the day, it's private equity is nothing more than a vehicle through which you can invest in small companies with some degree of diversification and through the expertise of a fund manager that effectively serves, serves as the intermediary. They're a matchmaker. They're matching up people with capital to people that need capital, and then they're being paid for that effort. That's all for today's episode on private equity. I hope you found this to be informative and helpful. We'll pick up next week with another episode on another type of alternative investment, and I look forward to speaking with you then. Take care. This recording strictly is for informational, educational, and entertainment purposes only and should not be considered investment advice. Opinions expressed are as of the date of recording. Such opinions are subject to change. The views and opinions of guests on this program are not necessarily those of the Retirement Detective Podcast. The Retirement Detective Podcast is not affiliated with any guest or his or her business affiliates unless otherwise stated. The Retirement Detective Podcast does not guarantee the accuracy or the completeness of the data presented herein. The Retirement Detective Podcast shall not be responsible for any trading decisions, damages, or other losses resulting from or related to the information, data analysis, or opinions or their use. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. All investments are subject to investment risk, including possible loss of principal. Individuals should seriously consider if an investment is suitable for them by referencing their own financial position, investment objectives, and risk profile before making any investment decisions. This podcast is not a solicitation to purchase or sell securities or a solicitation for advisory services. 
This podcast is not engaged in rendering legal, financial, accounting, or other professional services, and nothing in this podcast should be relied upon as rendering legal, financial, accounting, or other professional services. Philip Mock is not a detective or law enforcement officer, and any reference to such is for entertainment purposes only.